Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 22nd, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina-specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features a wider national look at the abortion debate and what the future may hold for the now-blocked state abortion law. We recap other statehouse actions from the last week and look ahead to what's on tap this week. We have some great information about a new rental and mortgage assistance program available in the state. We learn about the importance of self-care and the country faces a grim milestone of 500,000 COVID-19 deaths. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your life in these uncertain times. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your neck of the woods. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 7,417 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 437,018 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of February 22nd at 4 p.m. Currently, there are 993 patients hospitalized with COVID-19. 231 are in intensive care, and 135 are on ventilators. The 30-day rate trend of all of our key indicators continues to decline. That includes rate of cases, tests, percent positive, deaths, hospitalizations, intensive care, and patients on ventilators. I will say I'm not happy about the test numbers declining. You should still be getting tested regularly if you are out and about a good bit. So keep up your testing. And DHEC has updated its COVID website offerings, including a regional look at where COVID-19 variants have been detected in the state. So far, 21 samples of the South African variant and three of the UK variant have been detected. In a vaccine update, the state has received 1.1 million vaccine doses and 770,742 have been administered. I want to continue our look at the new anti-abortion law in the state that has been blocked by a federal court judge and where it fits into the national context on the issue. I was on the PBS NewsHour Thursday evening discussing what happened here in the state and how this was a major, long-time victory coming for state Republicans who are invigorated and united behind it. But also on with me was Mary Ziegler. She's a Florida State University law professor, and she gave great insight on the national implications of the new law and want to share with you some of what she told John Yang on the program. Well, I think South Carolina lawmakers were trying to push this as being a kind of new generation of heartbeat bill, a more kind of moderate bill, if you will. Um, it's an example of what um, we think of as extreme changing in some states, right? I mean, it, heartbeat bills of any kind would have been seen as pretty out there and, and were seen that way in 2019. And now versions of a heartbeat bill, albeit with some of the exceptions you outlined, John, are now being framed by lawmakers as normal. And that's partly because the entire spectrum of abortion legislation has changed pretty radically. So we've seen a bill proposed in Arizona that would sentence, for example, uh, women as well as doctors uh, involving involved in abortions um, 
to uh, make them face murder charges and potentially even subject them to the death penalty, given that uh, first-degree murder is death-eligible in Arizona. So this, uh, I would still qualify heartbeat bills as more sort of absolute in the grand scheme of things, but the more lawmakers embrace this strategy, the more what we would view as absolute or extreme laws um, changes. Uh, and so that's something that I think South Carolina lawmakers have very consciously done to say this is this is a sort of new generation heartbeat bill that isn't as extreme, but it speaks more to the fact that what we think of as extreme in this debate is changing. Is the what we think of, ex- of extreme in this debate changing because the the because the court has changed? We now have three justices uh, nominated by uh, Donald Trump uh, who have all uh, had things to say about abortion? I think that's certainly what lawmakers are responding to. There was a sense in which it was almost futile introducing a bill like this, even probably after Brett Kavanaugh joined the court, simply because that was asking the court not only to overrule Roe, but to do so pretty expeditiously and in a fairly flashy way. And I think now state lawmakers are betting that among President Trump's three Supreme Court nominees, there are at least enough to get to that magical five votes that would result in the overturning of Roe. I think it goes beyond that, though, because I think the anti-abortion movement, much like the Republican Party, is divided. There's a sort of anti-abortion establishment, much like there's a GOP establishment. And there's an kind of an insurgent wing of the anti-abortion movement. A lot of um, those folks have been behind the heartbeat bills and some of the more extreme legislation we're seeing. And just as that wing of the uh, GOP is ascendant, I think that wing of the anti-abortion movement is baking uh, a bid for control, too. And that wing of the movement has connections in places like South Carolina. And we're seeing the consequences of that play out now. So we talked a lot about this abortion ban and obviously looking at that from the national perspective. But let's get back to some other things that happened in the state legislature last week. On Friday, the governor signed the $208 million COVID vaccine relief bill for DHEC, MUSC, and other providers. The director of DHEC will incorporate recommendations to create regional vaccine advisory committees to receive input on vaccine distribution to DHEC regions based on several demographics. In the Senate, the COVID liability bill was amended and read a second time. The bill needs one more reading this week and remains in priority status in the Senate. The $550 million Port of Charleston bond bill to expand rail infrastructure also needs one more reading before it heads to the House, but it is behind the COVID liability bill. The Senate also adopted a resolution honoring the late radio show host and political commentator Rush Limbaugh. In the House, several bills made it from committee onto the calendar for eventual consideration. These include one that would reorganize the state election commission, allowing for curbside pickup of beer and wine, which would codify the governor's exemption to do so under current emergency orders. The bill limiting the governor's ability to pass successive emergency orders is also on the calendar. A joint resolution authorizing certain podiatrists to administer the COVID-19 vaccine was sent to the Senate. So I know that's a lot of stuff, but now for some committee meetings to be on the lookout for this week. On Tuesday, Senate committee meetings include a hearing on two Santee Cooper reform bills and a hearing on teacher step increases and charter school district funding. House committee hearings Tuesday also include a subcommittee on H3447, the so-called Save Women's Sports Act, dealing with transgender student-athletes. There will be a meeting on how to prioritize teachers for the vaccine and a full House Judiciary meeting on H3094, the Open Carry with Training Act. We'll be watching these for you, and to get daily updates, catch Twisk 60 Tuesday through Thursday at 5.59 p.m. on SCETV that comes on right before the news hour.
Yes, we got our business section back today just for you. And today we're focusing on affordable housing. Yes, it's a problem everywhere, especially in South Carolina. The pandemic has only made it worse, with many lower income folks losing their jobs, navigating a topsy-turvy unemployment claim situation where you're at the whim of Washington gridlock to boot. Now, some fell behind on their rent or mortgage or faced the threat of eviction. But a new program in South Carolina is here to help. Those who qualify will be able to receive up to six months of rental assistance from SC Housing. I spoke with Chris Winston, media and market manager for the State Housing Authority, about this new program. Yeah, the uh, the great news is that uh, from CARES Act funding last year, uh, CDBG funding coming to the state um, allowed us to open up this program. We've spent the last couple of months uh, dotting all of our I's and crossing our T's and preparing the application process. We know there's a lot of, of pain and hurt right now, a lot of folks who are potentially facing uh, evictions and foreclosures, and we're doing our best to get this program rolled out, and, and it should be, uh, should be open for, for business at, uh, at sehousing.com uh, for folks to come in and, and apply. So obviously with much of our federal funding, uh, there are some income uh, limits that we have. It, uh, you, your household needs to, to make less than 80% of the average um, um, area income. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have that chart on our website, but that includes a lot of, uh, a lot of folks in South Carolina. And so it allows us to offer, um, anyone who's been impacted by COVID. So you have to have a decrease in your hours or your job status, or maybe you've been away from work to care for yourself, uh, during this pandemic or, or a loved one, uh, to qualify for it. So if you meet the income uh, eligibility and you've been impacted by, um, uh, by COVID, and then if you're um, if you're behind on your rent and mortgage payments, and and hopefully your lender or your landlord is willing to participate in the program, the payments go directly to the uh, the lender or the um, the landlord. It's for up to six months of help, or seventy five hundred dollars, or are the caps for that. And uh, we hope this brings a lot of people um, uh, up to good standing in their in their rent to stay in their housing. This is not the time that people need to be. Uh, worried about how to uh, find new housing or rooming with other folks or, or moving out of their current living situation. And Chris, uh, you're saying up to $7,500, six months. Um, does this work for, for back rent for people who, may, who might be late on their rent or have had experiences because of COVID-19? Maybe they're trying to catch up now? Yeah, it goes all the way back to last February since the kind of the outset of the, of the crisis. So if you show that you've missed monthly payments during that time period, you can request up to six months of, uh, of those payments. Um, there are other programs out there that may help you with other months. Some folks may be more than six months behind, and we know that. Uh, the important thing is that you, um, you, know, you keep those programs kind of separate. If you're asking for this six months of funding for messy housing, then ask for a different set of funding uh, for different months from another uh, source. Uh, obviously, there are, there are things in place to keep folks from being able to um, ask for help for the same months, and that may jeopardize both programs if you're, uh, if you're not careful about which months you're requesting help from. Mm-hmm. And how soon can people see money going to their landlords if, if they request this? Our, our hope is at less than 30 days. Mm-hmm. Our hope that obviously there's an initial application on our website, then there's an additional paperwork uh, that needs to be filed. There's processing agencies who have partnered with us from across the state. Uh, we have one in each county uh, that will be reaching out to, to kind of um, to collect the uh, final pieces of paperwork and final information from you. And then our plan is to have that money given straight to the um, the, uh, the mortgage holder, the lender, or the uh, other landlord as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about some more things that SE Housing does, but just to wrap up, you mentioned that maybe some lenders, some landlords are, might not be participating or might not be willing to participate. What's What's kind of the rub there? What's the situation between that? You know, I think, uh, you know, we, we, um, 
uh, we ask landlords and and uh, and lenders to uh, to help work with their uh, with their tenants or with their borrowers as, as much as possible. And um, there you know, there's some challenges people have. Uh, honestly, some some landlords may um, uh, when the the moratorium on evictions from the CDC ends at the end of end of March. Um, that they may be more interested in kind of moving on and, and continuing the opportunity, having the opportunity to evict rather than getting the back, the back pay. Um, we believe, and we've heard from a lot of the, um, the landlord associations and apartment associations that they will absolutely take part. And we believe most folks in South Carolina will uh, be willing to participate. Less than a minute left. And I will ask you just quickly, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you don't, but just how many people uh, might be homeless as a result or might have seen a major shift in their living situations, if you guys can quantify that in any way. And then also really quickly, what we might be able to see done at the state level, at the legislature, is there anything that could be pushed through to uh, help with affordable housing during this time? You know, I think from a, uh, the studies have suggested that the, when the CDC moratorium, which is currently stated, uh, slated to end at the end of March, when that comes up, I think the estimations are that as many as 100,000 uh, households in South Carolina could be at risk of eviction. So I think you see that's the, uh, the the wave coming that we're trying to prepare for as much as possible. See how many people we can get up to date as soon as possible. You can find everything you need to apply for this program on schousing.com. You can also learn more about their programs, especially if you're looking to buy your first home. Our full interview is also on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. The United States faces a grim milestone this week. 500,000 Americans dead from COVID-19. More than 7,400 confirmed deaths from South Carolina alone. President Joe Biden delivered remarks honoring the dead Monday evening, and the Associated Press reports on how we got here. The first known deaths from the virus in the United States happened in early February 2020, both of them in Santa Clara County, California. It took four months to reach the first 100,000 dead. The toll hit 200,000 deaths in September, and 300,000 in December. Then it took just over a month to go from 300,000 to 400,000, and about two months to climb from 400,000 to the brink of 500,000. So obviously a lot going on. We're a year into this. We've covered some heavy, in-depth, and important medical news in recent episodes. And today, especially in light of the grim milestone of 500,000 COVID-19 deaths, I figure we should focus on self-care and what it really means. No, Sunday Funday doesn't exactly count as self-care, it's actually much simpler than that and can have big payoffs, especially during difficult times. Bobby Connor with Health Focus spoke with Tanel Jones about the positive impact that self-compassion can have on our emotional well-being, especially during stressful times. Tanel Jones is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she works as the clinician for MUSC's COVID-19 Resiliency Center. Bobby starts off by asking Tanel why self-compassion is so important. Self-compassion is learning how to be understanding kind and mindful towards yourself and to challenge those negative self-beliefs that you have. And in this difficult time, people are having a lot of negative self-talk or negative self-beliefs. And with that, it can impact how you choose to engage with other people, with yourself, with your family. And this is an important time to really nurture yourself with words in a way that you probably have not done before. In real everyday life, what is it that we need to do to make a shift 
to be more compassionate to ourselves. To be more compassionate with yourself, you want to be able to first pay attention to what's going on with your emotions, your thoughts, your body, and your breath. Learn how to use loving messages towards yourself, and then really being able to connect to that nurturing place where you might be able to nurture other relationships. If you are a pet owner, you might be able to nurture um, your pets, or if you like to garden, how you nurture your garden, or even with friends. So this is just turning that towards yourself. And why will this kind of self-compassion really help us in stressful times? If you are compassionate towards yourself, it will lessen the intensity of depression, the intensity of any anxiety or any stress that you may feel. So most people who are self-compassionate tend to be happier, more resilient, more optimistic about the future. In fact, research shows that people are less likely to be depressed, anxious, and stressed, and more happy, resilient, and optimistic about the future if they're able to practice self-compassion regularly. What can we do when negative thoughts just kind of creep into our mind? You can, one, just have that awareness that you're having that type of thought, pause, and then consider the opposite of that thought. You could also use a self-compassion mantra, and it can just be something simple as, this is a moment of pain, or pain is a part of my life, or may I be kind to myself during this difficult time. What kind of self-care routines are also helpful and nurturing to us when we're going through stressful times? Self-care routines could include when you wake up, set the intention for your day. So what do you value? Ask yourself, who do I want to be today? That's going to give you a path to go on. And then you just focus on that. It's not necessarily about taking hot baths or um, doing other things because you really want to learn how to do self-care 24-7. And part of that self-care is, I call it aha, that's awareness, learning how to have harmony, um, accepting things that we cannot change, and then taking action on the things that we can change. Really great to learn about self-compassion, self-care, call it what you will. I actually just started watching The Headspace Guide to Meditation on Netflix. Highly recommend if you need a little breather there. Uh, help you learn some meditation, calm things down. Other Gavin self-care tips, certified, not by any medical professional. Unplugging for a bit. Light you a good smelling candle. Make some time for activities like reading. Be active either through walking or working out. Eating healthy, you guys know my recipes are amazing and to die for. Donkey sauce. Moderate your alcohol consumption. Have a little treat here and there, like a little piece of chocolate. Not the whole bar of chocolate, just a piece of it, guys. I know it's hard, I do the same. Uh, also, don't be afraid to say no. Keep up with friends and family. Stay up on your sleep schedule as best you can. And of course, remain positive. You can do all that by listening to the South Carolina lead. Lead says namaste. Get your chakras ready. Lead says, Om. Welcome to our wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about laughter in the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you handle stress, what you do, the little self-care routines that you have. Uh, tell us how life has been going for you. What's going on with this weather? It was nice for two days. Now it's gray again. I mean, I know we're not in Texas. It could be a lot worse, but still give me some sun. 
Uh, also, have you gotten the vaccine? Have you gotten both doses? Let us know. We're interested to know about what you're doing these days. 803-563-7169. Um, and AT, do oh, we yeah. have any voicemails of people letting us know what's going on in their world? Oh, and there's a lot happening in a lot of people's worlds around here, okay? Mm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, we have a frontline report from an undercover operative. Okay, okay. all right. Yeah, this is the kind of uh, <laughs> vice eat your heart out, okay? So uh, let's Ugh, get vice. to it. Yeah, all right, <laughs> drop it on me. Hey, guys. Um, first of all, please disguise my voice in this message. I... I'm a teacher in South Carolina. I'm not going to tell you exactly where because I don't trust my district. Um, and yet I really wanted to call in and give you a firsthand account of a teacher um, who's teaching still during this pandemic. I'm really glad and happy to see the numbers going down um, across the nation, but I'm still filled with a lot of concern for my kids, for my schools, everything. Um, I teach both virtual and hybrid, and um, it's been a struggle. It's really, really hard to predict what the kids are going to be able to actually get through, get under, to understand, and it's really hard to assess what they, how they're doing. Um, I don't feel like we have enough tools to do this, um, but at the same time, every time they give us a new tool, it's a learning curve that we just don't have time for, and it's exhausting. Um, one thing I'd like to request of y'all is please look into how the stats are being collected at the school districts and at DHEC for in-school cases. I personally know that there's been cases of teachers who are out sick that have not actually been accounted for in the numbers for the time period that they were out. And from what I can discern, it looks like unless they can tie it directly to an exposure within the school, they don't count it as an, as a COVID case in the school. So to explain that again, so unless they can tie it to an exposure within the school, they are not including numbers of people who are out sick with COVID in their numbers given by the district and given by DHEC. Um, teachers are also still being quarantined if they have been exposed, but they're being quarantined in place like they're having to still teach, but they're being told to maintain more than six feet from the, from the students at all times and to not directly interact with students. And that is scary because they are, there's a lot of people who still don't understand how um, social distancing should work and don't really trust it, don't really follow it. And so we have people who are exposed who are now still interacting with students. Masks are being scoffed at. And really, I just, I am praying that the school system gets around to the vaccines very soon because we absolutely need them to continue uh, teaching and to get kids back face-to-face. -face. All teachers really want kids back face-to-face -face five days a week. That's how we do our job best. Well, thank you, mystery teacher. We appreciate you calling and giving us this firsthand look about what's going on in schools in our state. Uh, I'm also concerned about learning loss. That's a big concern that you're talking about there, whether these kids will be able to retain what they're learning if they are learning. Uh, if that's something we should be worried about going forward for our state. And uh, I just want to say that the lead is with all teachers. We support all of our teachers out there. We hope that we can get back to five-day a week soon. 
Um, I know that's a lot, especially with the vaccine issues. We'll probably see some more movement on that this week in terms of where teachers will will fall. But uh, we also support all of our frontline workers during these difficult times. I know a lot of people oh, want yeah. to get that vaccine, so it's it's tricky. It's a hard hard thing to. Um, to decide, we don't, hard, we, a, we don't make those decisions. A, that's what people get elected for. But um, that's, yeah, it's a tough balance to yeah. to, to reach there. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, Gavin did say earlier that they are having that meeting about moving teachers up mm-hmm. in the line for the vaccine. So hopefully, yeah. uh, undercover leader teacher who yes. thank you again for calling in and thank you for letting me disguise your voice. I really do love to do that. Yes. Um, uh, I hope you get the vaccine soon, and I hope uh, it's not so stressful. I, I, I know it's so very stressful for everyone involved mm-hmm. how exactly to uh, to to strike this balance of, of in-person and virtual learning. But yeah. we're not here to worry, right, Gavin? No. We, 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 we're here to wind down, not up. And we have a... Um a fond memory that I shared recently <laughs> on Instagram. One of yes. our, our favorite memories, I guess, because people love it. Everyone loves it. It's when we were at that USC, was it women's basketball, men's basketball? It was men's basketball. Men's basketball game back yeah. in uh, February of last year, back when times were, all we cared about, worried about was the upcoming uh, Democratic presidential primary in the, the state. The before times, the long, long ago. Yes. yes. And so uh, we were it's, at the it's game. It's a very... If everyone go on our Instagram and Check go look the photo. at this. It's iconic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, icon- it's iconic. I mean, it, it, and when we say it's iconic, it's not just us feeling that way. It's the people. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, uh, it has it gets more play than any other picture, even more than my dank dank memes, <laughs> yes. which I don't understand. But this picture gets so much play it's, when we it's, put it it's up. It's the emotion in that photo is just so pure <laughs> and just so beautiful. And that's because... You know, the story Let's behind that photo it. is describe that, describe it. Yeah. you know, here we Let's are in the stands enjoying ourselves. I have sunglasses on. You have your hoodie on over your head. We're both yes, having a, a, a pint, probably just the only pint we had that An day. An adult beverage. I think we only had one each. And of course, our <laughs> good know. friend, uh, Xavier Blake, is a shooter for USC. He's one of the camera guys here at ETV, one of the content producers, and has a side gig working for them, shooting the camera on the court. And yep. so we spotted him down there. We had we had some seats pretty close to the court. We were we were gesticulating wildly to catch. And I his texted attention. him. and was getting him. And it was like we're right behind you. Look over here. And so we finally got his his eye. And then so we were like we got to get on the jumbotron. I think we got on the jumbotron twice. <laughs> well, we got on numerous times. But the way we got this picture is he told us like in a second you're going to yeah. be on the jumbotron. Yeah. And so I gave my phone to a friend of the pod, Joey Cranny, who was with us. Yes. And I was like, hey, take a picture of the Jumbotron hey, look, in a second. At, look, at me, like, look at the Jumbotron in a second. He was so confused. I was like, hey, just listen, buddy. <laughs> and then uh, uh, within a minute, we were both up there. We were like, ew, ew, ew. <laughs> 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 like, And that's, that's the beauty of it, too. You know, we were working the system, obviously. We had a little insider on the system. But that's what yeah, made it. Because, course. you know, you, you if you've ever been on the Jumbotron, you know, you give us a shout time. out, first of all. Or if you've been on the Kiss Cam, I'm very interested. But you don't have time mm. to capture that moment. Yeah, we were fortunate. We, we were able to. <laughs> so, there's that guy behind you putting the loser sign up. I don't yeah, know he, why, he, but I guess that's what people me do. Real bad. I think we were we were being a little loud in a very family oriented section. Mean, who who would believe? It's a sporting event, right? That's what yeah. we do. Let's get rowdy. I was told that's we won what you do. too. It was actually a very good game, very mm-hmm. close game. I it came that, down yeah. to the very very end. It was great, but. Uh, I, I wanted Gavin to bring this up really just so I could talk about the hoodie that I was wearing in this picture. <laughs> so much tra- so much traction, it, so much play. It gets, it gets so much traction. Every single time that we share this picture or I'm in a picture with it on, it's a Dillinger Escape Plan hoodie. And uh, 
if you don't know who they are, you are not in the minority. Most people <laughs> yes. don't know who they are. But somehow, every time that we share this picture, someone's like, who is in the Dillinger hoodie? <laughs> and uh, I make a new friend. And, and yeah. most recently, it was Trader Joe, yeah. uh, the our, our, our friendly neighborhood grocer who calls in all the time. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, he obviously likes tech metal as much as I do. So uh, he said it moved me above you in his lead boy rankings. So you know, I that's mean, not a competition, but I no, whatever it, it takes. You know, that's right. I, I I mean, two in a row, two weeks in a row, I get Rob Lowe. You don't get Rob Lowe. <laughs> I got some and hot doctor, which I assume is just as good as Rob Lowe. <laughs> now I get Trader Joe too because of Dillinger Escape Plan. <laughs> Love like, it. It's like we're going through uh, the Kanye and uh, Kim divorce here. Who gets what? Oh yes, <laughs> yes. We're 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 we're. Uh, <laughs> So we're divvying we're, up our assets. Yes, we're divvying up our assets. <laughs> well, I, I get Trader Joe. <laughs> oh, I'm higher up on his list. I get Trader Joe. You get fangirl. <laughs> you get the fangirl. I get him. And I get Jakarta Tom. Tom. Okay. I get Roman out in Dubai. No, Roman. <laughs> we split weekends with Roman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's. That's yeah, it was a great memory looking back because that was that was middle February. That then was, everything then a month later everything fell. That was apart. the end of February, I feel like. That was the very end of real life as we knew it. Yeah. And uh I mean that's really just we were just reminiscing on the last real thing that mm -hmm. we really did. So I mean, if anyone else has one of those, can yeah. you think of the last thing you did before the pandemic that was like sort of a normal regular thing and now it's just uh it has a lot of impact in your mind let us know yes yeah, so we yeah, definitely want them the number we definitely want you guys to let us know about uh you know your fond memories uh pre-pandemic and also just uh your year and review some moments from this past year that you haven't shared with us because we're coming up on you know a year of the pandemic in south carolina yeah. you know mid-march was when everything really locked down for us and we want to remember how you know those moments were looking back it's it's kind of crazy when you look at old photos or memories from that so uh, dig through your memory vaults. Give us a shout, 803-563-7169. Uh, share some fond memories. Share some uh, some of concerning memories, some moments of the past year. Uh, we're interested to know because we're compiling that for our kind of our year look back coming up in March. So let us know. We're here for you, 803-563-7169. Yeah, a year of lockdown, man. That, that reminds lockdown. me of the, the meme I saw, bringing it back to Fast and Furious. I saw it. it I just pulled it up. It says... Where there's lockdown, there's lockdown two, lockdown three, then there's two lock, two down, which is where we are. Then there's lockdown Tokyo Drift, lock and down, lock seven and down eight. So yes, uh, <laughs> all the all the hits. <laughs> lockdown phase one A. <laughs> oh, phase one A is going to be a banger. I heard John Cena's in it, so uh, very exciting. Anyway, take it out, Gavin. Say goodbye to these folks. Goodbye, folks, and stay up to date with the latest on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, consider becoming an ETV member. We got the new Pledge Drive, Pledge Drive wrapping up right now. We need your support. Holler at us. Membership starts at just 40 bucks. And if you pledge at the $75 level, you get access to PBS Passport and all the great programming your donation helps support. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. I was worried that there was going to be like a volcano or something or an earthquake. Oh, yeah. And you're like, the, the, the animals the, know first. This is the warning. Kaylin, get up. <laughs> Kaylin, get up. Chippy's doing circles and there are <laughs> birds outside. Baby, we got to get, we got to go. We got to go. The super volcano's here. <laughs>